What do you think? I think we're dead meat. Real dead meat. Hey, welcome to the Dead Meat Podcast, an extension of the YouTube channel Dead Meat. I'm James. I'm Chelsea, and we're boyfriend and girlfriend, and we like to get scared together, and we're back after a week off. Yeah. Yeah. And we got a friend. Yeah, I'm a third wheel, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we, we found you in our week off. We wandered uh, the land and uh, we, we, found you. Yep. Yeah. Uh, my name is Joey Clift. Wait, is this here where I introduce myself? Yeah. Uh, yeah, great. do right, cool. it. Yeah. <laughs> right, uh, my name is Joey Clift. I'm a comedy writer based out of Los Angeles, uh, written for shows on... Cartoon Network, DreamWorks, and a bunch of other places. I'm an enrolled member of the Kellett's Indian Tribe, guys. Yeah. Which I think is the reason that you have me out here today. <laughs> well, part of the reason. We also just like you. Yeah, uh, we thank like you. you. Yeah, yeah, patrons uh, may know Joey's voice because you did a commentary track with us yeah, a Zom while Beavers, ago. Right? It, was, it was Zom Beavers, oh. which was surprisingly fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was, it was a very self-aware horror. Like it, knew, like, it knew that it was a bad horror movie and it had fun with it. It was a lot of fun, yeah. yeah. So if you're a patron, check that out. And if you're not, you know, maybe sign up and uh, you can <laughs> check that out yeah it was guys i made some real funny jokes you should listen to those jokes he's real funny yeah you'll get a little preview of it today yeah joey also <laughs> runs the best group on facebook oh yeah um i run the la underground cat network That's it's right. a, a facebook group by and for comedians to share pictures of their cats it has uh i think eight thousand five hundred members yeah yes. it's the most sincere facebook group and it's yeah. really good yeah it's great yeah like yeah you guys posting it all the time it's mm-hmm. great yeah, yeah, there's lots of Lucy pictures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's the thing I'm going to promote. So if you've got a cat uh, and you have Facebook, you should join the LA Underground Cat Network and post pictures of your cats. It'll be fun. Yes. Well, today we're going to talk about, and I'm excited to do this topic. We had some requests for this, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, we're going to talk about native representation and horror. And I specifically took a lot of notes about the Indian burial ground trope. But we might make this a little freeform because I'm just I, I want to just see where the conversation goes, because I know you're going to have a lot of really interesting things to say, <laughs> especially so with the opinions. movies, <laughs> especially with the movies we kind of picked to focus on specifically. We got Amityville, the original uh, and the book kind of we'll talk a little bit about. Uh, you didn't have to read the book. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, shit, I didn't so do that homework. Yeah. Um, oh, geez. I got a fake reading this book. Uh, my favorite part was page 10. Yeah, good. Uh, Pet Cemetery and The Shining. Now, you've, you've done a lot of research for this, Chelsea, as always. And Joey, I, th- I feel like you're coming pretty prepared to this. Oh, yeah, I'm hot. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm just along for the ride here. I haven't had any time to do any research. You so. got your Jack Torrance so you just, shirt on. You just turn yeah. your microphone up. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. so. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's maybe let's maybe like go into the history of the trope a little bit, and then maybe after that we can kind of like weave into the movies because I feel like there's like I want to talk about the movies just as movies because some of them are not good. Yeah, you know? no, we <laughs> no, we no, can no. we can definitely make space for us to just you know riff on these. How fucking boring Amityville is. Uh, yeah, 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 Amityville. Uh, Holy the, shit. The scariest part about Amityville Horror was when they revealed that the house that they bought only cost $80,000. We immediately got out the inflation calculator website and it came out to be, I think, in today's dollars, like 200 some thousand. That's still very That's cheap. So yeah. cheap. For a three-story, like, five-bedroom house Yeah, yeah. Even ghosts? a murder house yeah. is cheap. Yeah, yeah, even for a murder house, that's, like, that's very really cheap. cheap. In, like, a nice neighborhood it's got like a boat dock yeah, yeah. Long yeah and like a separate shed that he's like oh i'll make that my office yeah yeah so, okay eighty thousand dollars might as well be eight hundred thousand dollars 
We'll talk a little bit about the concept of Indian burial grounds first, which surely if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably pretty familiar with the concept of it because it's so ingrained in horror. Like that's such a, a trope that was born from horror movies, specifically American horror movies. And apparently uh, film theorists and people who like study tropes and stuff call it the IBG. Oh, I didn't know I had a shorthand. Yeah, it said so much. That yeah. They were like, oh, we got to save time by making a shorthand version of it. It is a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to use that because I like it. IBG. IBG. Okay. It sounds like out loud saying it, it sounds like a digestive. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Like yeah. IBS. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I got a case of the IBG. Yeah. Sorry. We're filming this the day after Thanksgiving. My IBG is kicking in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's really a, remember having an IBG flare up right now. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so it's important to, like, I just want to say up That's front. what happens at Pet Cemetery. Yeah, <laughs> IBG IBG yeah, flare guys, up. yeah, the guy has an IBG flare up. <laughs> and it's disgusting. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about these, specifically three movies. Maybe some other ones will come up. But we're going to be, you know, critiquing them, maybe pointing out some things about them that are not quite... Uh, you know they're problematic, but that doesn't mean we can't like them. They're yeah, movies the we like, except Amityville. Yeah, The Shining <laughs> is one of our favorites. Yeah. Every podcast, not this one, because the setup's different. But we have the Fourth of July ball picture. Oh yeah, up on the wall. It's always in the background. James has a Jack Torrance shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, where's the where's the Fourth? Of- oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Did you did you guys Photoshop yourselves into the picture? No, no we should. We actually every year I say we always have a New Year's thing, and I'm always like, I want to do. I want to recreate that picture and I have everyone do the exact poses. Of, oh, like, we've gotten pretty be, close. We've gotten close, year. but it's like, yeah. it is like herding cats. It's difficult when Especially, everyone's drunk. Yeah, pretty drunk. Yeah. I mean, you guys should just throw a shining party and invite all your podcast listeners yes. to it. Yeah. They'll cooperate when I want to take the group photo. Can, um, can I wear the bear costume? I, <laughs> actually, okay, so question about the shining. What is the deal with the bear costume guy? It's, um, It's, it's uh, such... From the book, but even in the book, it's not Is really it that explained. Yeah, it's in the book. The uh, really? the guy who runs or owns the hotel has like a little uh, what, sex slave man? dude walking around with him who's in a bear costume. Oh, okay. okay. So yeah, it's it sheds a little bit more light on it, but does it? A little bit, <laughs> like in the like in the movie, it just reads as like, oh, more creepy stuff. Got it. Yeah, yeah exactly. It. All right, yeah, cool, yeah. cool. Because that's the part of the movie where everything is just haywire. And yeah. Like, Fuck it. We'll just show <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. I think that's. I think when they play The Shining on TV, that's like the only thing that's different. Is uh, you don't have that shot, and everything else is basically the same. Um. Well, one of my favorite uh, Shining stories is that uh, like originally when making the trailer, or like wasn't it when making the movie, um, the studio refused to let the bloody elevator shot be in the movie because they were like, oh, that's too glor- gory to have an elevator filled with blood mm-hmm. spill blood all over this hallway. And Stanley Kubrick said, like, it's not blood, it's dirty water. What? I've <laughs> really? never heard that, yeah, but yeah. that sounds... Did it work? It's, yeah, yeah, it worked. That's, yeah. that's why it's in the movie. Stanley Kubrick lied and said, like, that's just... It's just a pipe, a, like a rusty pipe burst. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you uh, subscribe to some of the... Um, the Shining has a, a intense base of film theorists yeah. uh, who obsess over this movie and if you haven't seen the documentary room 237 <sighs> i don't know if i recommend like i don't it's not <laughs> one that i can easily recommend because it's so dense and a lot of it is just it's a drag it's yeah it's a little bit of a slog but there is some really interesting insight into this movie and one take on it that i really like is um specifically bill 
Blakemore's take. He's a journalist and he's in room 237, but he's done a bunch of like analyses of this movie. And he believes that this The Shining is about America trying to forget its past genocide of Native Americans mm. from and he gets all this from a throw like almost throwaway line in the movie where they talk like so briefly it's near the beginning when was the overlook built construction started in 1907 it's finished in 1909 the site is supposed to be located on an Indian burial ground and I believe they actually had to repel a few Indian attacks as they were building it he thinks that the the blood elevator because an elevator essentially if it's built on top of that kind of ground, just becomes a well. So presumably, um, we can imagine the elevator shafts sink down into the very bodies of the Indians, so to speak, and that's where the blood is coming from. I read about that theory, and like, where that theory kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit. Like, I I, I buy it as a theory, and I buy it, I buy that being Stanley Kubrick's intent, Mm -hmm. but like the concept of, making a movie in when did the shining come out 1970 yeah. yep so like the concept of making a movie in 1980 about uh america trying to get over like the genocidal past of natives is that like shit was still going on around then mm-hmm. so it's like uh like native civil rights didn't happen until like the late 60s so this is like 10 years after native civil rights um like this was 1980 this is like a year or two after like natives in Washington were getting like dragged out of boats and like by the cops and beaten for fishing on their Aboriginal lands. Like, uh, do you guys know about like native boarding schools at all? Um, no. All right. So like native no. boarding. Oh God. Oh man. We're no, digging go, in. Go, go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the, right, this so, is the, yeah. Uh, it's got to get way less history. fun. No, um, do it. So, uh, do it. boarding schools. Um, so the U S government, uh, in one of the things that they did to, uh, I guess, destroy Native culture and try to eradicate Native culture is they built what are called boarding schools. They started building them in, like, late 1800s, 19, early 1900s, specifically a school called the Carlisle School was the first one. Um, and the point of the school was basically to, like, kidnap Native children and uh, bring them to these schools and force them to learn English and then, like, beat and abuse them if they spoke their native language or like you know did any of their like native customs from their tribes or anything like that uh literally the uh this is this was a government-funded school and the tagline for the school was uh kill the indian save the man oh my god it's like a government school and like so uh the shining took place in 1980 the last native boarding school in the u.s closed in like the mid 90s holy shit really like there's like uh, First Nations, uh, like First Nations is what Canadian uh, Aboriginal people are called. Um, I think the First Nations boarding school closed like this decade or like last decade. The Canadian government created and helped run the residential school system, which was meant to kill the Indian and the child. After being forced to leave their families, many children suffered horrific abuses, such as rape, torture, and even death. There's still stuff going on like right now, um, like uh, a big thing in Native country is just like hundreds of uh indigenous women just go missing every year um and uh like that's something that happens right now this year like literally like today um like i read this article three hours ago um the canadian government is in trouble because uh doctors in canada have been um forced sterilizing native women or coercing uh, them to be sterilized. It's, it's the sort of thing, like, I've read stuff on Twitter about this, about, like, 
a woman will like a native woman first nations woman will give birth and the doctor will say we're not going to give you your kid until unless you let us sterilize you and like that's something that like the canadian government is dealing with right now Mm -hmm. so like just the idea of making a movie in 1980 that's like we're trying to get over this stuff Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. insulting as a native person sure 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 and i think compounding that too is the when you look at the presence of natives and horror they're often like an unseen yeah. monster yeah you know where it's it's an unseen force that exists to make the white characters feel bad there was a tribe of indians called the shinnecocks and they used this land as a sort of exposure band they put all the crazy people here and they left them here to die there are people buried here you're like creating like a both seen and invisible villain in natives which is it's like lame because like they didn't do their they didn't they didn't do like a ton of research on it like uh the what is it like uh amityville horror the tribe that like actually yeah 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 the shinnecock tribe yeah, where yeah. they didn't even live yeah they lived within like they yeah. lived 50 miles away <laughs> there was like no like human remains on that site mm-hmm. also like i'm not even sure if that tribe maybe that tribe didn't have burial grounds mm-hmm. um so it's like they didn't they clearly didn't consult with a native person in writing this movie so no native writer or producer got a credit or any work out of this if you're a part of that tribe you're probably upset because they just got all the details wrong on your tribe mm-hmm. like they clearly just like didn't care to check into it and then it's also disappointing because like there are a lot of really talented native actors that aren't getting work mm-hmm. so it's like you know uh like i guess that it would be an easier pill to swallow if they like hired a bunch of natives for those roles but like instead it's just kind of a throwaway line of like oh it's some native bullshit caused these ghosts Mm -hmm. yeah it definitely feels like uh native is just used as like a shorthand for like mystical Mm -hmm. yeah and like that sucks too Mm because like i mean i don't know guys i wish i had magic powers but i don't have magic (laughs) powers um yeah it's like something that i run into a lot is like just because people aren't educated about like native issues i think that it's like a huge blind spot for people I get asked like the dumbest, qu- me and my, my native friends get asked the dumbest questions about like being native. So people will ask me like if I uh, had electricity growing up because I grew up in a reservation. Like my friend Lucas has been asked by uh, grown adults, Lucas Brown Eyes, very funny native writer, uh, if he has magic powers. No. Like by adults that should know better. <laughs> and oh, uh, he says, yes, he has shapeshifter magic, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> but yeah, it's like there's this like, uh, ignorance to native culture and native issues that i think is propagated by things like the uh ibs theory ibg <laughs> by, 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 by ibs by irritable bowel syndrome <laughs> but it's like propagated by indian burial grounds and movies is it's just like stuff gets waved away as native bullshit or like mystical yeah. native bullshit or like any land that natives lived yeah. on is now magical because yeah. reasons and it's like that's for like a lot of for a lot of a lot of people that's the only native representation that they get is just the idea of one natives are all dead and two they're all haunting these houses people just assume that we don't exist and it's things Mm -hmm. like the indian burial ground make us seem like of the past it makes us seem of the past or worse fictional Mm -hmm. so like people look at us like we're like wood nymphs or elves Mm -hmm. you know what this has nothing to do with horror i'm curious uh how do you feel about like king of the hill 
Oh shit! King of the Hill, John Redcorn. Um, big ups to John Redcorn. That character. <laughs> <laughs> um, Is he like one of the most like likable people in the show? So I guess that like. What I like about that character, th- there are some stereotypical things going on in that, like, you know, sometimes when he talks, flute music plays and stuff like that. And that's like a thing that's like, hey, wait a second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Flute music doesn't play well when I talk. Why not? <laughs> but he's such a three dimensional character. Mm-hmm. And also he's played as a he's played as a character that is aware of his bullshit. Like he knows that he's faking it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are also characters that. uh look at him like he's like a mystical creature and he'll just straight man it and like drive away in his El Camino or whatever. (laughs) You know, like I think that uh, John Redcorn is a very, I don't, I don't know if the voice actor playing John Redcorn is a native dude. Mm -hmm. So I can't necessarily speak on like, Oh, and it also had this great, you know, uh, native representation in that. But I think that as a character, I really appreciated what he was and how he was uh, like a real person, a real person and a character of this generation. He I don't think ever wore a loincloth on the show unless it was like for a bit. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, do your people even celebrate Thanksgiving? We did once. You know, he was uh, he was a character of this century and not 1705 <laughs> or whatever. You yeah. Know? yeah, and that kind of stuff is where yeah, people who the last questions like, oh, did you have electricity growing up? Yeah. that's where people get those ideas. And these aren't like kids asking me this question these are like these are like people in their like late 30s and early 40s who like went to college and live in los angeles <laughs> so it's like they should you should know better know better um really quick I'll, I'll get back on track after this there's a great youtube series um called ask a slave uh it's by a woman oh, yeah. who worked as a living history yeah. kind of actor at the washington estate so she was playing one of martha washington's slaves and this youtube series is her um reenacting it's people reenacting just questions that she would get asked while she was working and it is incredible that's so... it's really funny you know red jacket that's a mighty fine piece of silver you got there yes thank you i received this when negotiating peace with the americans after the war they got our land and i got this metal and is that you on it yes it is me sharing the pipe of peace with your master, George Washington, or as we call him, Hannah de Gaius. Oh, that sounds regal. What does it mean? Town destroyer. The thing about IBGs, too, is there is no, like, the concept of there just being an overarching kind of burial ground. I was reading, it, uh, I think it was a column by Terry Jean, who yeah. is a Native author, and she was saying that just, like, that concept in general is weird like there is no it's like having an overarching like african burial ground or like it's just it's so broad that it doesn't make any sense like uh i wrote a a sketch recently it was like a commercial psa that was just like uh are you like are you trying to find cheap land to buy a haunted house but all the indian burial grounds are taken (laughs) have you thought of using a european burial (laughs) also known as a cemetery yeah (laughs) well and also like not just i mean like that it is weird that the concept of like yeah other other people have burial grounds. Yeah. yeah. Like our man. ghosts aren't extra spooky just because <laughs> we're yeah. native. That was something she pointed um, out is like, there's nothing specifically quote unquote Indian about a graveyard or a haunted yeah. graveyard. Like every culture ever is afraid of mistreating the dead. Like that's yeah, something yeah. that just freaks us out as p- humans. Um, but, but like in addition to that, there are like, f- there are 562 federally recognized tribes 
more on the state level and more than that that aren't federally recognized that all have their own cultures, norms, and like languages and things like that. So the idea of just like Indian burial ground, it's like that's not that's not a thing. There's like a Cowlitz burial ground. There's a, you know, a lot of tribes, like you said, don't have burial grounds. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, you know, all of these tribes have different cultures as far as like how they handle the dead. So the idea of like just an Indian burial ground as a catch-all is like, it's like saying European burial ground where yeah. it's like, no, there's not, that's not a that's thing. That's not a thing. Yeah. yeah. This was their burial ground. Whose burial ground? Make my Indians. Does, uh, does... Pet Cemetery get any points for using because uh, I forget what the name of the tribe he is. He uses but... the Micmac tribe, which yeah. didn't even that, not... that was okay. not in the area. Yeah, so like okay, so he gets points for using the tribe's name, but he loses points because the Micmac tribe is like Canadian and this is Maine. <laughs> hey, Maine's basically our our Canada. Yeah, but like were there Micmac people in I mean I don't know, like somebody not. somebody listening might know this. I don't think that there were Micmac people in Maine. <laughs> I like, I don't believe there were when I was looking up stuff about Pet Cemetery. Although interestingly, while he was writing it, um Maine was in a giant legal battle yeah. with the Maliseet, Penobscot, and Passamaquoddy tribes. Okay. Of the Wabanaki Confederacy. And yeah, the Micmac tribe was not. Yeah, they weren't part of that. Yeah. It's no. so like, why do you use yeah, the Micmac you... tribe? Yeah. Why didn't you use one of the actual tribes? It's like, there? did you just like the name more? Did you like the Maybe. way it sounded more? Yeah. Like... Well, that that's another thing is like people will like, I feel like people will take carte blanche with like native culture and like native things. And they'll change things just because they think it sounds better. Like, mm-hmm. like it's like a non-native writer when writing a script or putting together a marketing campaign will like change a core thing about a tribe without consulting the tribe and then that just becomes accepted culturally because yeah. natives mm. don't necessarily we don't have like you know like a, a media outlet that is like insanely well known that can like correct people on this stuff yeah and i think that yeah that's why uh it's it's good to have these conversations because i'm sure you know there's at least some listener or viewer out there who's like well what, what's the big deal like so you get something wrong but like yeah if, if you don't if you don't have representation in the media and then you, this is the only way a lot of people see what natives quote unquote are like in uh through this uh popular culture then it's just, yeah it just becomes accepted and it's not factual it's not right yeah well yeah it's like it's not factual it's not right and like it's uh a lot of what we're talking about is the end result of people not caring if they get stuff right or not with native issues. Like the fact that uh, grown men will ask my friend if he has magic powers is like, that's like what happens when you don't care is like, yeah. you know, you get these, we- you get you get kids that don't think that we exist or they think that we died out, you know, a hundred years ago or whatever. And like that's directly due to... Mm-hmm people not caring if they got stuff right or not mm-hmm. and like you know i mean not to not to like bring it in, not to bring it down too much but like like one of the like a huge killer of native people is suicide and mm-hmm. it's because like it's because of stuff like that it, this it's because we're like so invisible as a people and like what little representation we have it doesn't give us like hope to get out of our our situations and like you know it's like you can say oh like what does it matter if like somebody got a tribe name wrong or whatever but like people are dying over this stuff you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of suicides and that kind of stuff people people lose hope and they feel oh maybe oppressed i think it's important for us to have 
for our young people to have role models and to see other people going out and doing big things and coming back to the reservation and showing them that there's other things that out there and this is what we're doing and you can do this too, you know. And then, yeah, this total misunderstanding of where tribes were originally located. That's I want to talk about Amityville and how the myth of that house and the mythos of that book came to be because huh. it's so awful. Yeah, it's such bullshit. <laughs> it sucks so everything <laughs> like, about it. Can we swear on this bullshit. podcast? Oh, 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 it's such bullshit. It's such oh, bullshit. Oh, man, fuck that guy. Fuck that dude. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we actually talked about Jay Anson and, and the Lutzes in our... Um, like movies based on true events oh, episode right. and we talked about how much bullshit it's there was. Bullshit, it's, all, it's all so much bullshit and yeah. I didn't realize how much bullshit had to do specifically with the the burial ground that I think Jay Anson wasn't claiming it let me look it, it gets a little so um, I like reading reading up on it um, what the deal was is that like the Lutzes or like whoever wrote the book they hired somebody that was like a psychic medium yeah, to like <laughs> to like go to this house and the psychic medium said that they channeled like the spirit of like an Indian war chief oh, yeah, or ghost something. Chief. Yeah, like a ghost chief. Ghost and like chief. the guy that killed his family was like possessed by this yeah. ghost chief. So it's that guy. It's the ghost chief's fault, not the not the yeah. like. Well, like that. Like I don't know, guys. I could talk about this for hours. Uh, <laughs> so like, do. That, so like that's bullshit because like. I don't know. It's like that that propagates like the savage myth that like natives aren't people that we're like animals and like um, th- like what also sucks about that and like uh, is that oftentimes like native issues are def- native issues and native representation are, is defined by non-natives. So this is literally like, uh, you know, like a psychic medium who I assume is not native just making up a bunch of bullshit. And like now people see this movie and they and they think oh, got it, a crazy Indian did it. And that's like some non-native like saying like, oh, I felt their spirit or whatever. As soon as he got out of the car, before we even entered the house, he said, there's an Indian around here. Despite the fact that the people have said it's the most haunted house in America, it is not a truly haunted house. There are no ghosts there. There are no spirits there except the Indian chief. And what he wanted from his point of view, was get off my land. And then, too, to add to just how awful that is, is the, uh, I, I think there were conflicting ideas of why that land was haunted. So you got people saying, no, 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 it wasn't because of this this ghost chief. It was because this tribe, which didn't really even live there, um, put all their crazy people in this plot of yeah, land and let them die did, there. Which did not. Which Once again, did. the tribe was... 50 miles away yes. from the location of this house. Also, I don't think that tribe ever did that. No, there's That's just no, not a thing. There's no evidence for that. There's no evidence that there were any human remains on that site. Yeah. Period. Well, and if you're part of that, if you're like part of that tribe and like you see this movie and you find out that like, oh, like, oh, this movie's telling me or this book is telling me that like people from my tribe just took all their sick people and boarded them up in like a pen and let them die. Yeah. Like that makes you feel shitty, right? And that's a thing that just yeah. some dude, some non-native dude made up. Like, yeah, and to so many people now, that's the only thing they know about your yeah. your culture. Yeah, that <laughs> like sucks. like that, that total lie. Um, uh, I'm not going to lie. I was half checked out during the Amityville movie because <laughs> it was so bad. Uh, but d- does the movie 
yes. make these claims? Um, yeah, the friend that comes over who it, it essentially is the medium, they kind of um, streamline. Oh, it's like co-worker dude? Yeah, the friend who is like, it's coming from the basement. I need to get down there. So she gets down oh, that, there yeah, yeah, and yeah. she's like, Ah uh, yes, this w- and then she just explains that it was. It, it's the they used the explanation that yeah, it was yeah. Place okay. for like they didn't quite dive into the point of like crazy, crazy war chief or whatever. Yeah, it was like, more like they put sick. Yeah, and it was crazy just. People yeah, in. it was like yeah, yeah, it was like that kind of thing. Um, so it's more uh, prominent in the book. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, the book it's a whole thing, and it especially became a thing during the ensuing lawsuits. And um, the book purported to be nonfiction. Is that what's yeah, it's yeah. based on a true story? Like okay. the movies. Mm-hmm. quote unquote based on a true story Peter Jordan and Rick Moran confronted Anson with their evidence that the book was not a true story but a work of fiction he said you're one of those naysayers you're a skeptic who likes to write non-ghost stories I like to make money and I feel there were so many weird like ancillary characters in that movie that didn't really get much payoff like the brother it's like yeah there was the brother there was the uh, well, like the there was like a, a sheriff or something, like or an investigator. Oh yeah, who was like trailing that. That, God, was, that when movie I, was a fucking. Yeah, that mess. was when I truly stopped giving a yeah. fuck. Was when that dude shows up and yeah. And it's, it's two hours long. Yeah. So... <sighs> well, yeah, it's like that investigator who I think just you just don't see, you just stop seeing him at a certain point. Like the priest who like goes blind. Like the nun. Like I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's like so many characters where it's like. Oh, they just forgot to pay that off, and the only payoff for the entire movie is after the family leaves. There's that title card at the end that says like the family uh, chose to move to a different state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like, hey, if you've never seen the Amityville Horror, just go watch The Conjuring. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The Conjuring it's, is a much. Better it's a much better version of that, version of that. and it yeah. doesn't have an IVG. <laughs> yeah. It has a uh, a witch ghost, like a. Uh, Salem Witch Trials style yeah. ghost lady named Bathsheba. <laughs> I love Bathsheba. She's um, scary. I really want to know what the director conversation was in Amityville Horror when he was like, well, this movie doesn't really pay anything off. I guess we'll add a really lazy title card to the end. Yeah. It just says, oh, they're safe, I guess. Poochie went back to his Yeah, Poochie's planet. gone back to his yeah. home planet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Essentially what happened. Amityville. And then um, do you want to talk Pet Cemetery? Because yeah, you've I'd, read the books, so I'd I'm love curious. to not talk uh, about Amityville. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Have you read Have you read the Amityville horror book? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, I honestly, dude, after that, after watching that movie, I don't think uh, like it, it, horror movies are my job. I don't want to watch. There are ten of those movies. So I don't yeah. know if you're aware. Most of them are direct to video. Uh, okay, so I skimmed through the uh, the Wikipedia for Amityville Horror after watching it because I was like, I was half paying attention to this. Surely I missed stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think I stopped at Amityville 3D, and I was like, yeah, I get it. There were a lot of them. Yeah. 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 I I, I want nothing to do with this series. How was was the re- how was the remake? There was like a remake. Probably like, bad. Oh right? yeah. Probably bad. I fucked this property. With, uh, I think uh, Brian Reynolds is <laughs> the dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he is. Deadpool's in Amityville. Yeah. Uh, he was in a lot of weird stuff before he. Yeah, was like Post Blade yeah. Three, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Is yeah. that is that Van Wilder or no? Yeah. Van Wilder's when I fell in love with him. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's so charming. No. I love him. Yeah. yeah. Very charming. And now he's going to be now fucking he's Detective Pikachu. Pikachu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's such a good Detective Pikachu. I'm so excited for yeah. this stupid, stupid movie. It's going to be so good. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk Pet Cemetery. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. Anyway, what? guys. So so the problem with Indian Burial Grounds and Detective Pikachu <laughs> <Yes>. is... <laughs> That's how Gyarados was born, guys. <laughs> I'll just edit this so it's like elapsed to that. Like we just somehow naturally got <laughs> yeah, it just to that. just dissolves into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, got it. So, <laughs> as a native person, which Pokemon is most offensive to me? Yeah, Jinx. Uh, it's yeah, it's know, always Jinx. Jinx no I don't know who you are. Yeah, I don't know. Cubone's pretty creepy. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's cute, though. Oh, yeah. So, don't, uh, don't say any Pokemon's your spirit animal. Guys. Yeah, yeah, don't. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's the thing I think we were talking about before we started we recording. Were, yeah, that's also annoying. Yeah, don't say stuff. That, don't say something is your spirit animal because that's a, like as a native person. Whenever I hear that, that's like it's like nails on a chalkboard, <laughs> and it's like I always want to call people out when they do it, but it's just like, oh, is today going to be the day that I like really tell this person how like racist that is? Yeah, and just just in case someone was like. What's the problem with using spirit animal? Like, what's what's the problem with that? Do you have like a simple explanation for people uh, understand? Um, I know it gets into the whole uh, much wider conversations, but uh, I guess that it's it's just you know it's like we were saying it's the equivalent like a spirit a- to get a spirit animal is a very uh, every tribe is different in their process, but it is a very uh, intense personal journey. For my tribe, it involves like fasting for like a week and like sitting on like it's like i mean not to go into like oh anyway natives don't have spiritual stuff but anyway here's all this mystical native <laughs> yeah. stuff but like it's uh to get your spirit animal is a huge mark of achievement in native culture that is lessened when somebody refers to cartman from south park as their <laughs> spirit animal um it's like it's i guess you know like sort of the equivalent of like if you just started carrying a purple heart around and saying that you had a purple heart Mm. like it's like you know it's like it's something that it's like a it's a mark of achievement that like is insulting when people just you know throw it on a t-shirt and say that cheetos is their spirit animal or whatever (laughs) like if you're like a native person and you went through all the steps to get a spirit animal and trust me there are steps um, and Cheetos appeared as your spirit animal. You could say that if you're not a native person and you just like Cheetos, <laughs> not just Chester say Cheetos, not Chester, but like yeah. just, just Cheetos. You could just say that you like Cheetos. You don't have to like. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to like culturally appropriate a thing that means a lot to a group of people to do that. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, I wanna I wanna talk too about just why all of a sudden in horror it seemed like the IBG just kind of. It felt like it came out of nowhere, and we talked a bit about Amityville, and I think most people would agree that this trope kind of starts with Amityville, and because that movie and book are huge, like they were huge when they came out. I know, I know, dude, I don't get it. People liked things that were bad back then. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, it's probably just because of Margot Kidder and James Brolin. I was gonna say James Brolin is super sexy in that movie until he's. Not until he's like looking like uh uh what's her face and Rosemary's baby when he's just all like Rosemary. Well, yeah, Rosemary oh, Mia, Mia Farrow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like oh, you look sick. I read some statistic about it that like it's an indie film and it was it either is the most successful indie film of all time in terms of like box office or what or like you know some diametric. Uh huh. Um, like. Uh, also, like in researching this, I learned that the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie was also an independent film. Wait, really? Yeah, like I think that that actually is the most successful independent <laughs> film of all time because it didn't have a studio attached. They just funded it and then got distribution Holy through whoever. Shit. So, but like Paranormal Act or uh, Amityville Horror was at least for a time the most successful indie film. Of I could believe that. I want to look that up later because that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's in the. I really want to see. Uh, I really hope that the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie premiered at Con. Yes. <laughs> I mean, got uh, the golden. Yeah, got the, yeah, got the golden laurel, at, like or the yeah. gold, the palm door at like Con. Uh, 
Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I, uh, I always forget that it's pronounced con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the cans. It's cans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cans <laughs> Film Festival. Uh, yeah. So, so Amityville. And what year did that come out? Uh, 70... 78, yeah. maybe? Yeah. So we're Late getting 70s, this, yeah. like... I think it's important that it, this starts happening in the 70s. And it's kind of what we were discussing with um, The Shining, where we get this weird latent guilt i think that white filmmakers are putting into their movies and that was a theory i was reading by again terry jean is she thinks that that's why we get these movies kind of all in a row and why all of a sudden this trope shows up is because when you look at the 70s as well there's a shift in the civil rights movement yeah. for native americans there's a lot of like activism and advocacy groups i mean i wonder how much of this has to do with honestly like the hippie generation mm. like just i feel like uh you know like late 60s uh, early 70s i would say that like you know certain sections of the country got a little bit more progressive and like you know it was just like you know free love and etc and i feel like oftentimes uh native mysticism gets like it's like looped in with like hippie stuff and like yeah. new major stuff mm, yeah, yeah. Um, which is annoying for natives uh, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, so I, w- I wonder if that has anything to do with it unless you wait unless you have research and i cut you off no i could totally believe that um but yeah if you even look at other stuff that's going on in the 70s you even have the famous psa of the crying indian who is an italian guy yeah iron eyes cody he's 100 percent sicilian yes (laughs) people start pollution people can stop it although to he's a he's a really interesting story where like he is an Italian guy, which is weird that, like, for a lot of people, the main uh, thing that they think of when they think of natives is that guy. Mm-hmm. But he is somebody that actually, I I could be remembering this incorrectly, but I think that he did get very into the culture and he was actually accepted into a tribe. That's oh. amazing. Um, That's kind of awesome. Like, I th- I could be misremembering that, but I think I've, I've heard that from a couple of sources of, like, he's he is a guy that, like, he kind of understood that it was fucked up a little bit. Yeah. And like he put the work in and like, you know, like, gave, you know, he cared. He gave a shit. Yeah. That's awesome. But I did not know that. But it still is dumb that like yes. that like a PSA <laughs> that like was probably maybe funded by the government or like some organization mm-hmm. thought that it would be smart to hire a Sicilian guy to be a native guy, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. I'm always wondering what the, the thinking is behind that. As opposed to I like, know. why not just hire a, a native person? I mean, uh, oh man, this is another conversation I can talk about for a while. <laughs> um, I think that oftentimes people, I mean, specifically back then, they were just like, oh, he fits the stereotype of what we think a native person looks like. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, uh, a lot of it is, um, my, my friend Lucas refers to it as the pipeline in that like, uh, there are a lot of very talented native actors and writers but there aren't necessarily a lot of talented native actors and writers that hollywood execs know about Mm -hmm. so like oftentimes movies are cast and like things like psas are cast by you know they'll do auditions but it's also like people have people that they know and people they reach out to and like that's when you get things like uh like like taylor lautner being cast as like a native in the twilight series Mm. taylor lautner I think has like a very small amount of like, you know, native uh, blood in him, biological blood quotient or whatever. But like it was something that he definitely conveniently discovered uh, after he got the part. Mm. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, it's like literally like his grandmother 
was like, oh yeah, I think one of our relatives is Indian. Oh man, um, every white family yeah. has done that. Yeah, and like that sucks. Don't do that. Like yeah. I don't know. Like um, so like so if you're an executive and you're like, oh, I really want to cast like a native person to be a part of this tribe in this Twilight movie. I don't know any native actors, but Taylor Lautner, who I do know and who's got credits, um, says that he's native. So I think I feel okay casting him in that part mm-hmm. when you don't realize that like his native, uh, you know, representation his native, like the amount that, it, that he is native has been very overblown. And also like being native isn't just like a blood quotient thing. It's not like one sixteenth. It's not one thirty second. Part of it, a big part of it is also like how involved are you in the culture? Like, um, so questions that I commonly ask like other natives when I talk to them when like I when I meet another native is like what's your tribe where's your reservation what's your aboriginal land and just the process of kind of like sussing out how legit they are or not so it's like if you go to 23andMe that says that you're like you know one one hundredth whatever like don't immediately start trying to take up opportunities for natives yeah, yeah. like yeah. that's not the same as somebody that like grew up on a reservation and like you know uh, like has gone through all of the uh you know like all of the ceremonies and all the things and is like you know aware of their culture and cares about their culture and all that stuff you know yeah and who's had to live with the impact of stuff like again yeah. the you know the the cultural events that were i think impacting these movies coming out in like the 70s yeah. early 80s where You've got the, um, I think one of the most interesting, just like historical events, period, uh, is the occupation of Alcatraz in 69, which I think had a big influence on this type of of white guilt-ish screenwriting and the idea of land ownership being really fraught with tension in America because... Alcatraz, if you don't know about this, it's the most fascinating Man, I visited story. Alcatraz last year, and like that was my first time learning about this. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's fucking it's awesome. It's so crazy that, yeah. yeah. Like, I actually, I didn't learn about this until fairly recently, and I think it's great. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, It's Whoa. amazing. They're <laughs> actually, I'll, I, I'll plug another podcast, because they have a very good episode about it. It's the dollop. They did a really good, mm. like, they can they get so much more in-depth into the research than we, we can right now. Basically, um, so, okay, so the Treaty of Fort Laramie, 1868, between the Lakota and the United States, specified that all federal land that was out of use was to be returned to the Native people who once lived there. Hmm. 1868. So, in 1963, Alcatraz closes, and it was declared surplus federal property, so it just wasn't yeah. being used. It was just sitting it's just there. Like it's for tours or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and so there's this treaty that presumably is still in effect, and so activists think well, this qualifies as land that's yeah. due to be reclaimed, which it did. It 100% yeah. legally, legally qualified. Legally, 100%. They yeah. should have gotten that land back. Yeah. Yeah. So Alcatraz was occupied. The island itself was occupied by at most 400 people for 19 months. That's so long. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. And um, that's not a fun place to be. There's a reason it was a prison oh, it there. Did. Yeah. Um, and they the dollop episode gets more into this but just the politics of being on that island and of course like you know throughout the protest as it goes and gets more national attention you've got a bunch of just like white hippies show up and kind of ruin the party oh yeah yeah it's like white people that are like i can be involved too exactly (laughs) and then the meaning of it is weird and no one knows why they're there anymore there's there's also weird stuff about like it's like the white saviorism is coming in native country um, like re- very recent example is like uh, the Standing Rock protests. Um, the Standing Rock protests were um, 
uh, very important. A lot of natives really worked for it, and a lot of non-natives really helped uh, with that role. But there were also was a that, lot of... Was that for the pipeline? Yeah, 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 yeah. Standing Rock. Yeah, um, that was the Dakota Access Pipeline. Um, mm-hmm. But there were also a lot of non-natives that would, like, that showed up to Standing Rock with, like, a pallet of water, and they expected to be greeted, like, heroes Mm -hmm. and it's like oh we appreciate that you're helping but like that's not i mean like we're not like every person that comes in with like a 50 dollar donation we're not going to you know give them uh like a a tribal name right not gonna do the daenerys like everyone lifting you (laughs) up and carrying you around like the hero like and i think that there were a lot of like i guess you know like uh, new ager types like you know hippy dippy people that like saw this and they like they were like oh cool i can i can help and feel like my white spirit is free yeah and 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 then like they're not yeah like they're not carried around enchanted because this is a real (laughs) protest that people are doing and like it's not then, about you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, people like try to make it about them, which sucks. And that's yeah. what kind of happened on Alcatraz. And you get people coming in like that, and then you have the egos involved of well, who's yeah. leading it. And so after after this happens, um uh the uh, American Indian movement was targeted by the FBI. Yeah. And mm, cool. uh the Richard Oaks who led the protest was shot by a white supremacist and, and killed. So it's cool. Wow, yeah. cool. Yeah, there's a really fun American this really, history. This episode, I'm sure, has been a real, a real uh, uplifting episode. You know what? A barrel of laughs. Uh, my here. favorite is yeah. when people come from like James's kill counts, which are all very fun and stuff, yeah. to the podcast where I'm like, "You're gonna get learned. <laughs> like, we're gonna teach you." But like, uh, the history of uh, native uh, Native Americans as compared to uh, U.S. colonial history is littered with broken treaties. Yeah, like there's literally like. Right now, like I forget the tribe's name, but the tribe that like met with the pilgrims at Plymouth Rock, like uh, like President Trump is working right now to strip them of a lot of their Aboriginal land, and this is like, what the fuck? and this is the tribe that like if they wouldn't help those pilgrims, America probably wouldn't be a country. Like, yeah, that's you know. like literally not apocryphal either. You think maybe that Thanksgiving story is an apocryphal weird thing, but that no that happened those people all would have died yeah. and then we went and just murdered them yeah all. like it's yeah uh, yeah like, i was uh I, I think about how like uh with uh, for instance i guess we'll go political a little bit but uh like trump pulling out the iran nuclear deal and nuclear tree a lot of the conversation around that was like well you know the worst part about doing this is that in the future other countries won't be able to trust the U.S.'s word when it comes to agreements and deals, and I like when I read well, that I was like, know, "Yeah, that's kind of probably how the of, native that's people kind of feel, our, yeah. our thing. and have always like, felt." I mean, just like personal story, my tribe, we ran into this thing where like we we didn't get reservation land when we signed a treaty with the U.S. government in like the 1850s or something like that. Um, we made a deal with the U.S. government where we were gonna like we were gonna receive you know X amount of dollars for every square mile of land or whatever, um, like. Uh, around this time, a lot of uh, my people uh, died out. There, were, there originally were, I think, uh, like I want to say, eight thousand or something like that. That over the span of ten years, it shrank to around four hundred, um, and that's through like, yeah, you know, like I'm sure European diseases, also like wars with people like the Hudson Bay Company and things like that. So the U.S. government saw this low number of uh, like natives in our tribe that they could, you know, kind of register and pinpoint, and they said, oh, we don't have to pay you for the the treaty that we signed because there aren't enough of you for us to consider you as a federally recognized tribe. So they stripped away our tribal recognition in the you know 1850s or whatever. And then for 150 years, the people of my tribe like 
to like gathered up, like took notes, like took like very intricate track of like genealogy and things like that. And it wasn't until literally the year 2000 that we like had roll numbers that were big enough for us to be able to show the U.S. government for them to say, fine, we'll say you're a tribe again. And then they gave us that money back. And that was wow. a 150 wow. year battle that like directly affected me as a person. And yeah. like, and for me, like those, like, like that, that affects me in that, like the, the U S government, they, they made a deal where they weren't like, we're not just going to give $50 million to these random natives. What we will do is we'll put this money into a savings account and we'll give you guys the interest or whatever. So like the interest payments for, from this payment that was owed to us 150 years ago, directly helped pay for me to go to college oh so it's like there is just i don't know it's like native history is insane yeah Yeah. and that's why the next thing in my notes is another big thing uh culturally that was going on at this time is the the trail of broken treaties um aptly named uh 1972 is a giant cross-country protest this i've never heard of either but it's it's so crazy it was a giant basically just um, a big group road trip, big caravan across the country to the capital. And to date, it was the largest meeting ever of American Indians with the government, like the largest group all at once going to meet at the Capitol to talk to the government to that date. And uh, Nixon said, nah, I'm good. <laughs> but isn't it, wasn't it like Nixon said, nah, I'm good. But then like there were so many protesters yes. that like finally they, they, they were started like, to like fuck shit up and they, yeah, and they were like, okay, fine. We'll, 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 We'll uh, we'll talk to you after we killed thousands, uh, millions of your people. Yeah. yeah, it it unfortunately, you know, it had to get to the point where protesters yeah. are like, "All right, we're gonna start vandalizing shit," and that worked. And it sucks that it had to get to that point, but sometimes you gotta like when you look at what's at stake for these people who have up to that point very peacefully protested across literally the entire country. Well, that, that is something that is very, I guess, uh, genuinely scary for me as like a native person is like. Uh, so many of our treaties have been broken that there is a feeling of what's next. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, at, at any point like this, uh, this, uh, you know, money that we were given by the U.S. government, like that directly help is directly helping a lot of natives from my tribe. It's allowing us to build like elder housing for elders. Um, we recently got uh, like what's called trust land where you basically like you buy land on your aboriginal prop on your aboriginal territory and then even if it wasn't like officially given to you as a reservation, you can kind of sign it into trust land and have it become kind of like for legal purposes, a reservation. Like that's the thing that my tribe recently got. And it, that's a, you know, I think that was another like hundred year process to do. But uh, that land we used to build like a casino and stuff like that. And that casino, the funds from that casino are directly helping the people from my tribe with like all sorts of things. Like I said, you know, like things like elder housing, things like building a museum to like preserve our culture, like and my concern is that like seeing treaties get broken like this tribe on the east coast like at what point is the government just going to say like oh yeah never mind about that trust land thing or like at what point are they just going to take something like away from us that's been given to us because like they've done it before you know yeah yeah and yeah it's like what you said of just setting that standard of oh no one can trust us now it's like well yeah (laughs) (laughs) well that's like i mean and to take it back to like what we're talking about with like the uh, IBGs, not IBS. IBS, yeah. I'm going to keep on saying IBSs because I think it's funny. <laughs> um, those IBSs is like um, people don't know about these insane things that, are, that like these real things that are happening with like native people that like natives are really terrified of. And like there is like a great distrust for a lot of natives with like 
you know, the government and things like that. And like the fact that we don't have uh, media representation to like show us in the media in an accurate light, I think helps fuel those feelings, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it is important to kind of point this out in a genre we love very much. And, and horror is the genre that tends to get the most political horror is politics. If you have been watching the new Eli Roth series. Oh, yeah. The, actually, it's really, really uh, good. They, yeah, I need to watch it. I hear it's good. Yeah, yeah history it's great. Of horror, it's they, great. they get a lot into how the politics of, of certain eras really influence the horror that's coming out at the time and how horror tends to be ahead of, of the game in terms of representation and stuff. So it's, it's a shame to kind of look at an area and a, a trope and looking at how it's not great in representation that way. And I think there is such room in horror to tell these stories in a way that's really effective and well i i didn't know this and uh i'm assuming your notes aren't lying so uh this is a fun fact the remake of pet cemetery doesn't have oh yeah because we were talking about because you were saying the you watched the trailer and we were kind of talking about on we were talking on facebook about the new movie and i think that's just not in it anymore oh really yeah it's uh watching the trailer i could be wrong but it seems like they're steering away from the um indian burial ground trope in the sequel or in the the remake Mm -hmm. um i don't know the cause of it is spooky kids wearing masks sure you know like playing drums yeah yeah yeah. Mm um you know uh and i I hope that that's the case. I hope that they're not like "Eh, just kidding it's spooky natives yeah Mm -hmm. um but uh I think that that is just, I think that like I've painted sort of like, I guess, a dark picture of native representation and the state of native country and stuff like that. But I do think things are getting better. Yeah. I think that people are becoming more aware that things like the Indian burial ground trope is a shitty thing to do and it is Mm -hmm. a shitty thing to put on an entire subgroup of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And things like doing a remake of a film where that was a big proponent, a big uh, part of it and removing that for the remake to me, like, that feels good. I appreciate that. It's like, oh, there's they're doing the the bare minimum to make me not feel angry when watching <laughs> yeah. a horror movie that I want to see. Yeah, and it's like, you know, again, and we're not saying people who've made these movies are are bad people. Or that oh, I am. Are they're bad. all real bad people. <laughs> oh man, well, Stephen actually, King, you were a bad Stephen person. King. <laughs> Stephen King, The Shining, and Pet Cemetery, you did this twice. Yeah. <laughs> actually, interestingly, Kubrick is responsible for the the inclusion of that in The Shining. That's not oh. the book. Uh, Kubrick's all right. Kubrick's good. <laughs> <laughs> You're crazy. You're fine. Actually, in college, I was going to say, I, even if it was in the book for Stephen King, the percentage, just based on the books alone that he's written, is probably like yeah, <laughs> like one percent of <laughs> yeah. his books. Yeah, it's like it. It seems like it is when we talked about it at the top of the show. Like it is such an easy lay on of like, oh, this is like a haunted amusement park. Why is it haunted? Like you know, it yeah. it allows you. I understand as a writer, like. Uh, the want to be lazy <laughs> and it's like oh yeah this gives me a justification for why there are demons here or yeah. whatever and like I, I just ask that uh, if you uh, do that don't make it directly related to misrepresenting my entire yeah. people yeah. and like I'll be straight up in college I wrote a short uh, IBG how dare I you <laughs> I did it um, I needed a reason for something yeah. specific to be happening. And I was like, oh, this works for what I, I need. And I did it. And I don't think I'm a bad person. But <laughs> yeah. that's something where I look back and recognize, like, that was lazy oh, writing. That's it. This podcast yeah, is Yeah, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, and also, yeah, I mean, that's uh, people do dumb stuff when they're young. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 
fine to to fuck up but it's we also need to look at why that's not a cool thing yeah. to do and again we can do that with movies we really like i actually think it's almost more helpful to do with something like the shining where it's clearly a movie we all like yeah it's a good movie yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i think it's helpful to kind of like do it with that like i don't even mind the extreme emotional abuse of the lead actress (laughs) oh (laughs) poor Poor shelly yeah god that's uh man stanley kubrick's a fucking monster yeah (laughs) Yeah. oh yeah just like fucking monster who directs like an angel (laughs) (laughs) auteurs baby I'm glad we did this right after Thanksgiving. This is like a good like end of November episode. I think uh, it's, it's always when people want to talk about native stuff. Oh, dude, right around I'm sure. I was like, dude, I bet I'm not the only person being like, hey, Joey, what's up? Uh, it's, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's better that like like that we. It, Ideally, uh, you should talk to natives all year round. <laughs> yeah, right. But like, you know, it's better now than never. Yeah. yeah. I know I want to have you back on to do like, if we ever talk about like horror movies with like scary cats animals. Yeah, yeah. Like literally yeah. horror yeah. movies about scary animals and cats specifically. Oh. Come back for that. Pet please. Cemetery again. Actually, God damn it. when I do want to, I do want to say we've like really talked a lot of shit on Pet Cemetery. <laughs> like, my favorite movie. actor in the movie was Church the Cat. That yeah. cat was Aww. real spooky. Was real was good also cat. very cute. It was yeah. just a good cat. Good I hope, cat I hope that that cat Lived a very long and happy life. Isn't that got- the uh, uh, is that the movie where uh, it lays next to the little girl and gets covered up in a blanket? Oh and, like, my god! Is there, yes. She like goes so. to bed with the little girl. Yeah, it's so cute. It's like stuff like that where it's like, ah, oh, it's a real love. I remember we both yeah. just like verbally, ex- we we're just like, oh, that like, happened. Lucy, why would you do Lucy this? Would never like, I hope that that cat got like so many good pets for mm-hmm. being in that movie. Yeah. Uh, what? Well, you're a busy guy, and yeah. I know that you've got lots of uh, fun stuff to promote. Oh, oh thank you. Oh, thank yeah. you. Oh yeah, you brought, thank you for looking at my I talked about the oh yeah, I wanna like look at your you brought your zine and I'm just oh, okay, really excited. Great. Uh, yeah, actually yeah, yeah. you guys can look at it while I'm promoting yeah. it. Feel free. I, uh, first off, I want to promote my satire book. It's called The American Indian Ready to Wear Catalog 2018. Oh it's a 10-page comedy magazine about all the weird ways Native Americans are represented in media in the form of a fashion catalog. <laughs> it was illustrated by Janet Meyer, who's a fellow Kellett's artist, and she's also my mom. How cute is that, oh guys? Oh, your mom did this. Yeah, my, mom, yeah, yeah, my mom's been an artist for a very... She's, she's been an artist since she was, like, 12. Oh, my um, Like, it's like she paints murals and stuff like that for her. Like, it's, like, how she, has, how she makes her money. Um... So uh, you can buy a physical and digital copies of the book at redcatpress.com. And um, it's like a dollar for a digital copy, $5 for a physical copy. If you can't afford the $1 to uh, buy a, a digital copy of this book, send me a tweet at Joey Tainment and I will send you a free PDF of it. Oh, um, awesome. And then uh, I also want to promote uh, this Saturday. Uh, wait, when is this? Or actually, no, no, hit me up uh, and he won't send you a free one. Hit me up and I'll buy one for you. A PDF. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. Just email deadmejames at gmail.com. Seriously, Perfect. if you want one of these. This is hilarious. Oh, thanks. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, wait, when is, when is this episode going up? This goes up Tuesday, the... Uh, this upcoming Tuesday. Oh, okay. Ah, oh, sweet. So I can promote this thing. Okay, Ooh. great. So uh, this Saturday, uh, a short animated film I wrote and directed is screening at Los Angeles, at the Los Angeles Animation Festival. Um, is that December 1st? Yeah, it's or? December 1st at 4 p.m. at the Mayflower Club in North Hollywood. Um, you can buy tickets for it at uh, laafest.com. Uh, my for- short film is definitely on topic of what we're talking about. It's called... Telling people you're Native American when you're not Native is a lot like telling a bear you're a bear when you're not a bear. And it's about (laughs) what you'd think it would be about. Uh, I'll let you guys watch it after we're done recording. You guys, specifically of you two and not listeners, you have to go to the thing to watch it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you should check it out. I'm real proud of it. And it's about uh, all these fun Native microaggressions we were talking about. 
And uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Joey Tainment. Um, I don't know. I'm a funny guy. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like we we've been talking about like, you know, native stuff this whole thing but also joey is one of the funniest people (laughs) i've ever like uh you're like uh andy kaufman yeah oh yeah yeah. modern goddamn day if you like nathan fielder i feel like yeah yeah. Uh, these are all good uh, i feel like you're all in the same little weird family yeah yeah i mean you shaved your beard and sent it to ted cruz yeah oh man guys i do so many bits Um, (laughs) i know and i I, love that was the best uh one actually (laughs) one of the one of the like one of the best uh compliments i ever got i i host a podcast called 25 minutes of silence where the premise is that a guest and i just sit in silence for 25 minutes and uh i I came up with the idea like kind of not not thinking about like andy kaufman stuff andy kaufman like i'm compared to him a lot but i don't necessarily like i like i don't i'm not a huge fan of his okay but uh like his uh like main co-writer bob zamuda actually heard of, of my podcast and his assistant sent me an email saying uh, Bob Zamuda thinks your podcast is very funny. Oh nice. my god! That's yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh yes. But uh, yeah, I don't know. So I do a lot of bullshit, guys. Check me out. It's, it's hilarious. Why that, I, I love, love that podcast premise so much because they you really do. If you want to be a guest on that, you have to sit there with Joey for twenty five minutes, just being quiet. Yeah, there's no yeah. faking it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like uh, I've had uh, what I guess I've had, I had like Ken Bone on the show. I had a former astronaut. <laughs> I, that's right, Ken Bone. I had did a it. former astronaut. While Ken Bone was on the show, he was replying to fan mail, which he still. Gets. Yes. Uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, former astronauts. Um, I, uh, I, uh, in 2016, I tried to get a uh, former president or a presidential candidate on the podcast. And I ended up getting Zoltan Istvan, who's a transhumanist candidate. But uh, I got a like. I asked this guy that's like uh, I don't want to. I don't want to put him on blast. Name his name. But I asked like one of the higher up like third party candidates to be on the podcast. <laughs> And I had a phone conversation with him where he said, I'll do your podcast, but I'm not going to sit in silence with you for 25 minutes. I will only do the intro where you introduce me and the outro where I plug my campaign. And I told him no deal. Yeah. <laughs> I think you told us That's who this integrity. was, but I'm going to confirm after the game. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> if, if, I told, if I told it on the, the Zombiever uh, I don't episode, think you did. You didn't. It was while we were just, yeah, you know. Before yeah, that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's whoever you think. You can guess. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think that's all my bullshit. So good. Yeah. What do you guys want to promote? <laughs> oh, uh, we keep was, watching us. Yeah. Keep watching yeah. the thing. Uh, Twitter stuff, I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, at Dead Me James on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Carebeck, C-R-E-B-E-C-C on Twitter and Instagram. And we have merch, DemiStore.com. Yeah. Buy that merch. Buy yeah. That we also merch. have uh, the second season of D&D&D starting, yeah. uh, which is our Dungeons and Dragons uh, podcast that we thankfully are just performers on we don't have to edit or write oh, anything man, yeah. which nice. is a nice bri- change of pace but yeah. that's run by uh Our james gressel and with help by joel arnold who you probably know as the other practical folks and beth b rad who uh designed my logo and uh mike Sigan, they're in it too it's great it's good fun just look up d n d n d yeah not ampersand nope because uh, of legal because of legal things yeah <laughs> so yeah i guess that's about it uh joey thanks so much Thank for joining yeah thanks so for having me this is super fun much. yeah this is a lot of fun uh, yeah, yeah we talked in about between a lot of really, all the lot really light-hearted stuff, stuff guys real it. just like laugh a minute i mean you said i was funny up top and i think i delivered <laughs> <laughs> yep i <laughs> uh, will be back with a movie review next week but until then i'm james i'm chelsea and that's joey hi everybody <laughs> and this has been the dead meat podcast bye